Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. Galaxy, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, where we get all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Mac, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ross. Hello, Mac. Great to see you again. Glad to be back in the galaxy far, far away. Today is a very special day, Mac. Do you know why? Oh, I think I know why. It's a very special day because we have our friend Jesse Reagan here, our first ever guest on Star Wars All In. Jesse, welcome. It's great to thank have you. Thank you so much, and thank you both for having me. I feel very special right now. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're our first guest. We're really excited. This is going to work well or, or not. I think it's going to be It's going to be fine? Yeah. yeah. We'll find out. Hopefully people will tell us. We'd love to hear your feedback. So, Jesse. Yes. You were not... A person who has made a Star Wars movie. You have never written a Star Wars book. No. You never uh, made a Star Wars toy no. or None talked of, to George yep. Lucas directly, right? You are not a you are not a, a a professional in the world of Star Wars. You're just a Star Wars fan like us. Just and to a be fan. honest with you, that's what this show is. It's Star Wars fans. So tell us, how did you become a fan of Star Wars? Well, guys, I was it was probably the summer of 2003 2002 to 2003 okay. uh, i was at a pool party and my <laughs> <laughs> my cousin my, my cousin had a lightsaber and Ooh. i remember looking at that and thinking what is this thing and he let me hold it and it, you know it was it was the classic retractable ones and i kept oh, yeah. like swinging it and it was green and uh the green saber and i asked him what it was and he told me and i fell in love right then and there i immediately watched uh episode 2 uh, so episode two was your first Star Wars movie. Episode two oh, was my I very first Star it. Wars movie. Okay. Only because uh, 2003, I think it was the pool party, or 2004 is when that was the early, that was the newest movie that came right. out. Yeah, yeah. it was like 2002, 2000, so, around yeah. there. Yeah. So then when I saw the lightsaber, I was like, okay, there's a movie. And then when I looked it up, that was the first one I saw. And, and then my love oh, felt so. Amazing. I I personally have a connection with episode two. Oh, that's. A, you're in good we company? also love episode really? two. It's Mac's favorite prequel. Is right? it? It is. And I didn't know this. I love yeah. Detective Obi-Wan. I'm all about <laughs> He's the best. Jedi. Yeah. I'm all about seeing a Jedi go through just a mission. His day-to-day. -day. Yes. He was assigned a mission or kind of fell into a mission, depending on how you want to look at it, after the senator's attempted assassination mm -hmm. attempt. So 
I like love K- it too. they're I like caseworkers a little bit. Well, yeah, Jedi's, yeah, you know, yeah. you get to see that. <laughs> yeah, right. They're keepers yeah. of the peace. They're yeah. not out there meant to be soldiers. But anyway, that's a really great way to get into Star Wars. I mean, how can a lightsaber not draw you in? Right? Did it light up? Did it have batteries in it? No. <laughs> but I'll, so tell you, you I'll, I'll tell you this everyone was yeah. jumping in the pool and there was mist everywhere and maybe that added an element to me oh. retracting it there was mist I in the air yep. and Just, I was like oh this is beautiful mm-hmm. and do you remember you said it was a green saber was it Luke's saber or was it more of a generic I'm pretty sure it was generic Okay, but at the yeah. time I didn't even know who Luke well, was. Right. Exactly, your first. Hey, I get it, but I'm pretty sure it was generic, or it could have been Luke's. But to me, it was just a green sword. But then I realized, yeah. oh, this isn't a sword; it's some kind of energy, and that took it. That took me. That took I took me off it. my feet. I was I, I was blown away. It. That's awesome. Okay, so you see episode two. I assume you're watching this at home, VHS, DVD. Do you v- remember VHS? VHS, VHS at yeah. home. I rented it at a place called Movie Stop. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not familiar. I didn't have nice. a movie stop. Uh, I, beautiful. Okay, so you see episode two, you watch it, you pop in the VHS, you see more lightsabers than we'd ever seen in a Star Wars film. You didn't know that at the time, but didn't if know the that. lightsaber is what you draws you in, episode two is a heck of a movie to see. Yeah. So after you saw episode two, where next? Did you go and uh, see episode one? Did you look out, look for the OT? After, after episode two, uh, I remember... I actually remember after episode two, I talked with my, t- my with my cousin after that because he had the lightsaber that let he let yeah, me use it. Yeah, expert. yeah, he's the expert, he's the, right? Yeah. So I asked him. I was like, "What is all of this? Where do I get started?" And he didn't have any of the movies. He was a fan, but he didn't uh, own any. Yeah. But my mother had a library card, and I you best uh, believe that I took that library card and I went and I rented uh, the Star the the original trilogy. Oh, okay. And that's when I. I watched it so many times, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched it a ridiculous amount of times. Uh, you know, parents have stories of you, you know, watching or doing mm-hmm. things over and over again. That's what I was doing was the original trilogy. And I watched it actually up until a point where I started getting sick of them when I was like in middle school. But then I fell in love with it again right in high school for some reason. So I don't okay. know what I happened there. I, I think Puberty maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I get it. <laughs> I think most Star Wars fans that you talk to have a down period, not a, a period dark time. where they didn't like Star Wars. Yeah, not they that I didn't like it. it. But like for me, it was the last couple years of high school. It wasn't that yeah. I wasn't still watching Star Wars movies, but basically from the time Revenge of the Sith came out yeah. till, um, oh, I don't know, about 2011 or so. Mm-hmm. So there was a five or six year period where I was still into Star Wars, but it wasn't. Yeah consuming exactly a big part of my fandom in my life i get that yeah yeah between episode one and two i, I just sort of like i saw episode one and then i just sort of there's too much new star wars for me to learn for, so i just stopped and then it was not until like after episode two really got going that i got back into star i like wars. that there was too much for mac you know there was too much knowledge and he decided then <laughs> i'm gonna I, stop <laughs> when when he is just the knowledge guy you Listen, know what i mean i'm like, on that's top funny. i'm getting out before there's all this <laughs> that new must stuff. be a lot of knowledge <laughs> That is, yep, yeah. that is a, yeah. That's great. Yep. Well, that's fascinating. Well, Jesse, let me just ask you, what is your favorite Star Wars now that you've, you've consumed them all? Oh, um, I would probably say, it, it, honestly, it, it, it will go back and forth throughout yeah, my entire it life. it can change. It, it will go back and change. forth. If you had it's hard it. for me to say it because I'm scared it's going to be set in stone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's just say today. As of today. Right, right this minute. Tomorrow can be different, but today... What would you say is your favorite? Uh, Return of the Jedi. RCJ. Yep. And the next, though, is The Last Jedi. 
Ooh, okay. Really? Okay. Okay. Wow, what a great... I. So the next time we have you on, Jesse, because yeah. we uh, won't have time to add this to the topics today, I'd love for you to give us a ranking of your Star Wars movie, because already... I'm very intrigued. Why it's like that? Yeah, I, I have starting reasons. Starting out with Return of the Jedi, and then you're moving it. Now, don't get me wrong. The Last Jedi is also my second favorite Star Wars movie, which might come up again. I don't know. I don't, yeah. But it, I'm amazed to hear you say Return of the Jedi is your favorite. It's a great choice. I mean, it. the thing I love about Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. is it's got that 45 minutes at the beginning that could be a Star Wars TV show. It's mm-hmm. this mission. Yeah, it's perfect. That is like just, it's, it's a carryover from where we ended in Empire. And it doesn't really affect the story after that mission ends. It's mm-hmm. just, it's this it's beautiful standalone thing that I love. So I get it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and do awesome. you have a favorite Star Wars memory? Like a favorite? I mean, it sounds like mm. it was that moment at the pool with the lightsaber. Would you say yeah. that's like your most defining Star Wars moment or memory? That that moment is probably, yes, the most defining is when I held the lightsaber because in my mind, when I held it, I didn't know any knowledge. I didn't know the movies. I didn't know if there was a prequel. Trilogy. I, didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't yeah. know anything at all. So when I held the lightsaber, I was like, this is a very cool device. Learning it's a weapon, but it's not a sword. It's energy. Mm-hmm. That was blowing yeah. my mind as a kid, right? That's awesome. Um, yeah. But that was definitely the... that. That's when I fell in love. Absolutely. Maybe we should just change our podcast to interviewing people about their favorite Star Wars moments <laughs> because I really well, this like is- it. I think this is what we're going to do with every guest because this yeah. has been great. Of like how they fell in to. love. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been beautiful. Mac, we have some really great stuff to talk about today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, yes. The three of us are going to be discussing some really good topics. We got a fairly large one we want to start out with, which is Boba Fett. But we have decided, like many of our biggest topics, to break it down a little more specifically. So this is Boba Fett only as he appears uh, pre-19... Eighty-four, So that would only be the holiday special, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Then we go to a kind of medium-sized one where we talk about midi-chlorians, perhaps one of the most controversial things in <laughs> Star Wars. And then at the very end, we wrap up by Jesse's suggested topic, which is we're going to discuss our favorite lightsabers. I am so excited. To talk about I'm my favorite really excited. All right, folks. Well, let's just go and dig into it. Enjoy. Two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend, and growing more powerful. I take it you have no love of the Empire. I don't. Well, neither do I. It will be easy to find the ship you seek. Follow me, friend. Hello, all my fellow Mandalorians. Welcome back to Star Wars All In. This is Ross, and I'm here with Mac and Jesse again for this next topic. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite masked man, Boba Fett. Now, 
Jesse, first, I just want to say it's great to have you here for this topic. We are going to talk about Boba Fett specifically from the original trilogy. So we're going to be talking about the holiday special. We're going to be talking about episode five, and we're going to be talking about episode six. So do just want to let you know, we will not be talking about any Daniel Logan here today. We will not (laughs) be talking about uh, any cloning. Uh, We're going to keep it pretty simple. No severed heads will really be discussed. It's pretty much just going to be the original Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett, and a couple (laughs) other people who helped bring him to life in uh, both the original versions of the films and the holiday special and the uh, special editions as well. Mac, how are you feeling about Boba Fett today? Uh, Boba Fett is one of the big gateway characters to uh, Star Wars, so I'm a big fan. It's going to be interesting talking about him like essentially pre-1984, so basically Return of the Jedi and previous. Yeah, I'm excited. We decided to constrain Boba Fett we f- to uh, just those couple of years worth of canon because we felt that it would be, A, easier to fit it into a topic, uh-huh. and B, <laughs> it gives us something concrete to really talk about when we start talking about all of the other canon material, like the Clone Wars. I didn't have time to watch, you know, half dozen episodes of well, Clone Wars. And, uh, and we can go down the well, because most of my <laughs> Boba Fett love comes from the EU slash legacy. So yeah, there's I, a lot really to go in there. We have time to talk about <laughs> 30 years post Return of the Jedi today after he crawls his way out of the Sarlacc pit. Um, so it's okay. We're going to talk about the Boba Fett that everybody knows and loves. Jesse, what mm-hmm. do you think about Boba Fett? I think for me, when I first started getting into Star Wars, Boba Fett was, I mean, I was young, you know, eight, nine years old. I thought he was the coolest, the coolest looking guy, you know, around. And you're telling me he's a bounty hunter as well? I mean, it can't get much better than that. Yeah, I mean, he basically built his fame on looking cool, right? I mean, that is Boba Fett. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, we I remember uh, when I was a kid, like we we didn't know his name because we didn't have like the essential exactly. guy to characters. So yep. we were just like, "Who's that? The guy with the T on his face? That guy's cool." <laughs> I remember saying, "Yeah." Yeah, and um, and I mean, let's be honest, he was designed to be that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the movie The Rocketeer, and a big reason of that is uh, I love the artist Joe Johnson. He's the director of that. He also made Captain America: The First Avenger, but he got his start. Mm-hmm as being a concept designer on back on Empire Strikes Back and Boba Fett is his baby. The Imperial Super Commando character that became Boba Fett was his baby. And you can kind of see, if you know the Rocketeer, you can kind of look at Boba Fett and go, oh, that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they do look similar. It makes sense. And even some of the ways that they move a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a little bit there with the way the characters are kind of being portrayed. Um, mm-hmm. Boba Fett is very kind of like, when he's not in action, let's say, he's mm-hmm. very purposeful. He's very slow moving. He's very mm-hmm. um, direct yeah. and curt. And he's just very purposeful with his actions. And we're going to talk about all those. Before we do, let's just talk about this little bit real quick here. So we all know that Boba Fett was portrayed by Jeremy Bullock in the mm-hmm. original trilogy in episodes four and five. Uh, he was voiced by Jason Wingreen until 2004 when the lines were mm-hmm. redubbed by Tamora Morrison. So that yeah. is, I guess, the one mention of the prequels we do have to do. So depending on what version of episodes four, uh, five and six you're watching, you're going to hear some different voicing. Uh, between the two voices, I don't know how well you guys remember, I had to go back and re-watch some comparison clips because, to be honest with you, it's one of those things. Uh, George really did do a good job of making the special editions the definitive versions. I mean... 
they're what I watch 95% of the time, other than yeah. like at my bachelor party, we watched uh, the Despecialized yeah. Edition of A New Hope. We uh, we did some VHS copies mm-hmm. uh, last year for May the 4th is what we watched. So you know, it's not like I haven't seen those recently, but it's still when I think of it in my head, I hear Morrison. I hear that voice when I'm thinking of Boba Fett. Uh, and... You know, it's a change in the lines. It's mm-hmm. a change in the character a little bit. When you hear the voices, the difference is the original Boba Fett sounds more distorted. He sounds more sinister. His words are kind of drawn out and he yeah. really lays on to some of those syllables and stretches them. Mm-hmm. You know, he adds those extra letters like he's texting. He's, he's got a, like a, almost a, a really kind of wet gravel to his voice. Yeah, it, it's I don't know if I'd call it more menacing, maybe more sinister yeah, is the way to put sinister. it. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts on the voice change? To me, I think it, I feel like it's more authentic. The, the original, the original. Okay. I just, I feel like, I mean, it is, I mean, I guess going by the, I don't have a dictionary on me, but going by the definition of authentic, right? It's the original. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it just, it, it sounds like there's someone in armor when I hear that. I know exactly what you mean. It, I mean, it sounds more like a stormtrooper. hundred percent. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. It just sounds like he's he's there in that moment. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah, because that voice has much more of a, like, almost, you couldn't tell he was necessarily even human. Like, you didn't know what he exactly. was underneath there. Because it was just I like, it was like with, yeah. he's no use to me dead. Like, it's a very just, like, deep kind of, like, uh, again, just sort of, like, um, it, it feels like he's talking through like a rebreather or something like there's, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of distance there. And I think that Tamara Morrison is fine. And obviously, no, it's yeah, great. What he should sound like, cause he now has a dad. <laughs> I, I um, will say, I do like the change when we think of the scope of the prequels, when we yeah, have yes, the prequels 100%. in there and we're looking at it as episodes one through six, where Boba Fett essentially lives or, you know, whatever you want to call it, two through six. Uh, yeah, but just, to, I mean, yeah. just to close that concept. The Tamara Morrison, I think, doesn't feel as interesting or as authentic, like you're saying, primarily because when I hear Tamara voice his voice, I'm like, oh, I know what Boba Fett looks like under his helmet now. Yeah. Because I know what that actor, I know what Django looked like. So it's not as mysterious as up and through the 80s. We, We didn't. I mean, I think we can get to this. Like. That was Boba Fett's thing. He was mystery man. Yeah. You had no idea. He was just cool as ice. Yeah, there he wasn't just... a backstory. You right. Know, you didn't have one yet. That's right. And yeah. that's what I like. I was. I remember always thinking, is this guy a robot? Why, why is his voice like that? I know possibly humanoid underneath, but I don't know. Yeah. We don't have mm-hmm. anything yet. Absolutely. So let's talk about Mac. I'm going to throw this one over to you. Yeah. Let's talk about our first time we meet Boba Fett. Okay. So in uh, 1978... <laughs> 78 or 79? The holiday special. It would have been Christmas 78, right? I think it's 78. Is the holiday special. And the holiday special, which is just a magical cocktail of weird. (laughs) Um, There is so much going on there. And um, it was not so much a, a setup for what was coming. It was just sort of this bridge. It was the only product they really produced in earnest from Lucasfilm between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And so as they're gearing up for Empire Strikes Back, they know that they have some of these ideas. And one of them went to the Nirvana uh, animation segment, which is this very odd. It's not if you've seen the Canadian work of Nivala from like the the 80s, stuff like uh, Rock and Roll and stuff like that. Like 
it, they did weird shows. Ewoks and droids were their products as well. <laughs> They're all kind of like you see Han Solo and his like faces like two faces mm-hmm. tall. Like it's just very weird proportions. But the sort of claim to fame, the most important thing that came out of there, it was the first appearance of Boba Fett, who appears as this um, strange man riding this weird beast with this large you know, like twin barreled Y shaped gun. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to give Luke aid because Luke's stuck in this slime that's like sticking up on his X-Wing. And then at the end, oh no, Han Solo is coming. He's like, that's Boba Fett. And then you realize that he's this terrible bounty hunter that's been working for the Empire the whole time. That Boba Fett, not exactly the traditional look that we've grown to know, huh? Well, I think it's because the look wasn't finished yet. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's a big part of it. Different color Mm -hmm. scheme, kind of blue helmet much mm-hmm. more Django style uh cha- uh yellow chest plate um that gun I always thought it kind of looked like a harpoon gun that's what I always kind of drew towards it looks you know? like that. um yeah, it's got like so this like, almost look. like a tuning and I, and fork I like and it. we've gotten a little bit now to a point you know it's 2019 uh the holiday special has long since been buried along with <laughs> ET cartridges and new cokes so I mean yeah. we don't really talk about it much <laughs> other than among Star Wars fans but it was a really cool moment to see this character, even in animation, that we knew very little about. And then mm-hmm. not long after that, we got our next little taste of Boba Fett as an exclusive mail-in figure with the rocket-firing <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <laughs> jetpack feature, um, the rocket-firing missile launcher. So does everybody remember that? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, none of us were there. We weren't uh, alive oh, you, in 1979 sending in You don't own one in your collection? Yeah. I don't have a rocket-firing Boba Fett. I have seen a couple in person at Rancho Obi-Wan, and that was uh, a pretty groundbreaking moment for me, being able to see those. I'm not a huge vintage collector, but seeing one in person mm-hmm. is pretty darn cool. Do you think that's part of the mystique, is that it is one of the rarest toys out of the vintage collection? It is the rarest production toy, right? I would say it has to be. I mean, it's got to be. Sure it's it the most valuable it's action figure about. by far. I mean, oh, yeah. It, it was myth and legend figures, for a while. Yeah, the only other yeah. things that come close are the vinyl cape Jawa, and even those, I mean, don't sell for even, I think, yeah. a quarter of the price. That if you can actually find a rocket-firing Boba Fett on the market, I mean, they don't go up for sale that often. Yeah. And when they do, they sit it. I think oh, the last yeah. one was something like $10,000. And, I mean, they're only going up from here. I mean, vintage collection has exploded over the last couple of years of people collecting the vintage lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I think the thing about it is it's, like, it's weird to think that that was, like, that toy was almost for the cartoon more than it was for the movie yet. It was, so I mean, they knew the character was going to be in the movie. Right. They knew part of what his role was. I mean, the look and the design is very much the movie design for the most part. It's not the, you know, the cartoon color scheme or anything like that. Uh, But most kids, even though most kids saw the holiday special and knew him, the toy really seems to be what started the craze. Yeah. I do love seeing, though, in the years since the holiday special, we have kind of embraced that original paint scheme of Boba Fett a little bit. The holiday specials come back a little bit. It was certain ways. So, like, at Celebration this last year, they had the Boba Fett lunchbox. Yeah. That was the blue and yellow color mm-hmm. scheme. Um so we've seen a little bit more color. of that, and the, which is kind of cool. Hot Toys is doing one now. And the gun we're talking about is actually officially coming into canon because the Mandalorian in the upcoming TV show runs around with it because... Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm excited to see that. I can't wait to see that thing in action. Yeah. 
But I think it's pretty cool that you you have all these weird little. He starts out very weird, and then he comes to star in Empire Strikes Back. What do you think? What do you remember about seeing Boba Fett in Empire? Because we see him first on the bridge. We've got all of those bounty hunters there. So we got Zuckus and Dengar and Forlom, and they're all there. None of them have speaking lines besides Boba Fett. I was just gonna say that. Did any of them have? No, I didn't think no. they did. Bosk makes a little guttural noise. Um, you see IG-88 propped well, up. And, uh, <laughs> and from what we know in a screen test, because there's a famous production still, at one point they screen tested Dengar doing Boba Fett's lines. Oh, the, I didn't know oh. that. Yeah, there's, you can find a production still that's the exact same, you know, Vader wagging his finger in front of him saying no disintegration and the as you wish, but it's Dengar's character. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. So we almost had Dengar over Boba Fett. At least for that scene. Okay, now here's the only thing I'm going to say. Is Dengar the least interesting out of design from all those bounty hunters? Because I would say so. I mean, Bosk is my favorite. You Hmm. give me anything that's reptile-like. I love Bosk. I love Opo Rancisis. You give me any humanoid-style reptilian combos, and I'm going to be in. (laughs) So, you know, the bounty hunter scene is one that I found really interesting when I was a kid. I think I've said this before. Empire is the first Star Wars movie I saw. So my first introduction, I didn't know if these characters were in episode four. I hadn't seen it yet. I didn't know where things were going. So you see Vader talking to these characters. And so you get the sense that they're dangerous. I mean, they look dangerous. Those uh, Imperial officers are scared of Bosk as they see his clawed foot, you know, over the edge of the walkway there. So, I mean... These characters are set up to be interesting, but we don't really have any reason other than Vader is the one trusting them. Vader is the one sending them after Solo. That's Mm -hmm. really all we know about Boba Fett to start. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. When I think about the bounty hunters, I think it's just it's you had this beautiful rogue gallery of all these really interesting, terrifying critters. Mm -hmm. And then Boba Fett's the one who's like the one that's like, I outclass all of you guys. Like, Vader's got to warn me specifically. He kind of seems like the leader. I mean, it's almost yeah. like you don't know at that point. Are they all working independently? That was intended, right? Yeah. I think so. I mean, right after that, we do... I mean, we never see those bounty hunters again on film. That's true. I mean, so, you know, at that point, really, they were just set pieces. Yeah. Um, it, well, specifically, <laughs> I think one of the funny things, just total aside, is IG-88, when we watched the uh, VHS copy... You, like, can't see IG-88 in the VHS copy the way it's cropped. Really? He's too tall. He's, like, he's like <laughs> yeah. halfway off of it, and it's he's, like, like a step back behind everyone. Head, yeah. Uh, it's just weird to think that, like, I liked IG-88, and I didn't know why. I mean, I liked it because of Shadows of the Empire. Uh, that's why that's I a good one. Uh, a couple years, not long after I saw Empire for the first time. So, anyway, so we're on this walkway. Vader saying no disintegrations. What does he mean there when he says no disintegrations? I never as knew. As a kid, I didn't understand I it. I never knew. And I still don't necessarily know if I fully understand it. Mac, you have to know. I well, never I, knew. I, okay, okay, so there's a lot of EU answers to that question. But I mean, I think the central feeling is there is Vader is calling out one of them in particular for the fact of how important it is they're trying to capture. That this is a yeah. live capture. I don't... Um, you kind of get either one of two feelings, I think, from it. One is the fact that Boba Fett is very dangerous and he has a reckless nature to him and Vader's reining him in, just saying, like, listen, that last job you disintegrated those guys, I don't want you doing that again. 
which is impressive <laughs> for the Dark Lord of the Sith to like make a point of telling this person to do it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No mistakes is how I always took just no mistakes. Yeah. We're getting the job done. Here is our goal. I need Captain Solo. I yeah. need don't these, mess it up. I need these people. I want them taken and, alive because we're yeah. going to use them as bait. Yeah. It's like a mob boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. and I, I think that the other thing that you also see is there's a certain amount of backhanded respect to that of the fact that like vader knows you could kill them like i've hired you because you're the best at your field that's why you're on my ship right now Mm -hmm. and i respect you enough that you will get captain solo you will bring him to meet me that's the mission that's the goal and i want to just reiterate that killing's not the goal i know you can do that don't do that (laughs) yeah i i can buy into that absolutely vader could do a lot of what he wants himself. He's sending these people because it's their skill set. They're mm-hmm. trackers. They're hunters. I always thought that. Like, yeah. Vader could always do this himself, but why? Why Why would you send the king well, to go do things, Vader you know? is a, Vader's a busy guy. We don't really get that in the <laughs> yeah, OT. He is. Yeah. We, we don't get that in the OT, but let's throw legends aside for a second. Even in modern canon, which we've only had for four years... Vader's been busy. Vader does a lot of things. You're right. He doesn't just have one iron in the fire. He's focused on finding Skywalker, yes, and right now that is his driving force, but he's also hunting Jedi uh, that escaped the Purge. I mean, at this point, we assume they're pretty much all gone for the most part, with the Mm -hmm. few exceptions, so we don't really know where they are. But, you know, Vader, he's not a one mission kind of guy. He's got a lot of things he's working on. So, you know, you got to have specialists. You know, I can fix my toilet but boy do i not have the time or the practice (laughs) so i'm gonna pay someone to do it you know uh so boba fett we have him he is uh tasked with finding solo uh the imperials have lost solo they can't find him after he's come out of the asteroid field after he's had his run-in with the exegorth so they are clasped onto the ship they're magnetically attached to the ship and the falcon floats away with the garbage Yep. And this is our first time realizing that, hey, maybe Boba Fett is actually going to do something because he figures out what Han's plan is somehow. I mean, we don't really know how. I guess it's just presumed his skill set. He knows that, okay, they were right here. They disappeared. No ship that small has a cloaking device per the Empire's uh, yeah. you know, men. So what are the other possibilities? Well, he's still here. And Boba Fett waits. He waits for him to show himself. He figures out what the plan is, and he follows him to Bespin. Yeah, and so I think you've already established like three personality traits at this point of Boba Fett. One, looks cool. Oh, Two, yeah. Darth Vader told him to be less dangerous, so this guy must be incredibly dangerous. And three, he's really clever. Yes. He's already mm-hmm. ahead of all the other bounty hunters because he sort of already knew what Han Solo was going to do. Yes, absolutely. Which, which, which if you think about it, you know, he's ran into him multiple times right in well, the past it we, feels that way that's right? what i'm saying it, it does, feels like it that does but at this point remember we know nothing about any past between yeah. them any history between them um obviously. and as filmed there isn't right exactly. no yeah there's this none is, this is just one person being sent to capture another um but we also do come to realize a little bit later that boba fett was sent after solo by jabba the hutt so we can imply that there is some history there, even if it's just two people oh, wait, I take that back. looking for the same person. There's actually a scene from 1977 we saw in 1997 that now does establish Boba Fett is there. 
Was now, Boba Fett originally planned? Boba Fett was he's not originally of, planned to be in that scene. He's though. composited in during the yeah. special edition. So, but in canon, Boba Fett is present at the shakedown around the Falcon in Docking Bay 94 now. That's true. That's true. Okay, we probably should have brought so that he up. he is there. Yeah. Again, we, it's later. So, again, in 84, we didn't know that. Yeah. But so, it's one of those things of... Um, Again, that history, like you said, yeah. I feel we felt that history, and that's I why all these stories in my mind. created yeah. <laughs> and stitched this yep. together. And I think that's why they decided to put him in episode um, four, is because it's nice to know that Boba Fett does know Solo, like yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, he already it knows it a little him. bit more personable. Yeah, uh, you know, Boba Fett at this point now, then hypothetically had been hunting him for a few years, so right? That, you know, it does add to that absolutely. Real quick, when. When they added him in into the into the film, yeah. Do you, do you guys think at the time the fans were happy? I was. I I, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I think generally, I think yeah. fans would be. But honestly, guys, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like maybe they weren't. So, very... are you saying with that scene as a that whole, scene, you know, yeah, Han stepping on Jabba's yeah. tail and mm-hmm. all that? You're just not into that scene. I think it makes yeah. sense. So when I look at it, it makes sense as part of the trilogy. Having Jabba there. No, it makes then, sense. Then having Boba talk yeah. about Jabba the Hutt and, and Han talk about Jabba the Hutt in episode five. And then we finally really see him, meet him, his yeah. character in episode six. Um, I mean, as a seven-year-old seeing the special edition in theaters, I loved it. Like, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. Looking back on it now... It feels maybe a little unnecessary, but it's redundant I, information. Yeah, they I, gave Greedo yeah, those lines. All of that info yeah. comes from Greedo. That's the real the real <laughs> thing here is that we had everything in that scene we needed. It slows the pace down a little bit. Um, there's that really long look that Boba Fett gives the camera as he's oh, walking out. That. But it's just kind of like I get it. I don't dislike it necessarily, but it doesn't feel like it needs well, to be there i think the three things about it are just one it ups the grandeur it's different when greedo tells you that jabba's ticked off and jabba actually took interest to be at your docking bay to chew you out yeah. like two that's true a lot of fans myself included makes it that boba fett is in every version of the ot now he's in all three movies it does give him another 30 seconds of screen time yeah and but i think one thing i love about that scene yeah. just a little more harrison Little more Harrison being yeah. Harrison in the most classic I th- way. I think the yeah. only thing that feels like a very 1997 thing was all the animators are like, well, if he walked over, you'd step over Jabba's tail. I'm like, if he just walked right behind Jabba as he was filmed as an actor, no one would care. Yeah. No one would yeah. ever stop no and think would... about it. And at not, this point, not in 97, it's... but look at, look at where we're at now. No, in 97, <laughs> they were thinking about it yeah, too much, but now our suspension of disbelief yeah. would have been him just walking around and it wouldn't have that yeah. awkward joke. And well, I think the awkward joke's the only thing that really drags that scene out. Yeah. That sound that Java makes is not necessarily <laughs> my favorite, but all in all, it's a really good point, Jesse. I, I like it. I don't know if I love it, but I don't, here's the thing. You'll hear me this, say this a lot. I like the Star Wars we have, whatever yeah, that yeah. is. I like the yeah. Star Wars we have. It is part of that movie now. I mean, I've seen the special edition mm-hmm. more than any other version of A New Hope. It's part of that movie, and uh, it's it's there. You know, it is what yeah. it is. Well, it's, well, let's okay. Let's just sum this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly just go through the rest of the biography of what we see of Boba Fett. So. I'm going to be a little cutting because I think it might frame some of where this conversation's going. Please do. So Boba Fett follows Han Solo to Bespin. On the way, he contacts the Imperial forces to let him know he's going to Bespin. I know. Okay. Uh, the Lando system. So, 
And again, there's there's another place where we start maybe thinking that Han Solo, Lando, and Boba Fett have had run-ins before because we feel like Boba Fett knows that. Okay, so the Imperial forces have better hyperdrives. They jump to Bespin. They get there for first. Well, they, they have hyperdrives in general, right? Han doesn't have oh, the Falcon. Right. Hyperdrive Han, is not functioning. It's limping right along. I was right, going to say yeah. he had it, right? But yeah, they're going at yeah. sub well, speed, <laughs> yeah. right? Right, so they're way slower. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the impression is Boba Fett tracked solo the whole way that the imperials get ahead of him and once the imperials are there they take control of bespin they co- coerce lando into giving him over so that by the time that han sees the trap too late the door opens uh darth vader's ready to have dinner he grabs han solo's blaster and who's next to him boba fett aiming his e33 blaster at him now that dinner scene that dinner party scene is maybe the most terrified I ever was in a Star Wars film. When that really? door opens oh, yeah. and Vader is there in this stark white room and just stands up and you see Han just reach for his gun, not a word, pulls out the blaster, squeezes a couple shots. I'm getting chills just and yes, you talking about this. Vader <laughs> block these blaster bolts just take on his hand. So my favorite thing in Star Wars is when we see a new force power. My, It's mm-hmm. truly my favorite thing. Okay. And that was, we had already seen Luke grab the lightsaber with the force. We saw Vader stop the shots with his hand. And then who comes walking out? Mr. Fed himself. Yep. Looking all smug and happy that he got Han. <laughs> Han's face is just blank, and, right? And again, to be honest, Boba Fett comes in after the fight has already been won and flashes his gun because he's like, um, I'm here too. And then, I don't know, they sit down and eat salad or something. So, yeah, do they eat? Or do they just They've go got to have that awkward tr- that awkward dinner party has to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you have to sit down and eat now. <laughs> I mean, after a guy blocks blocks like <laughs> your blaster bolts, grabs your gun, and just like you must join us. Yeah, you, that's what you're gonna do. I get, I just have a hard time, I guess, thinking that Vader's gonna sit down, take off his helmet. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't think I don't. Well, I, I just have a hard time thinking that, even though I will. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's even better. So everyone sits down, like salads are passed out. The first course, Lobot's just handing it out to everybody. And Vader's just sitting there, like his fingers like steepled, oh, yeah. sitting at the table. And he's like, are you going to eat? No. Yeah. No. I'm going to watch you eat. <laughs> and then Boba Fett like just has a little sippy straw comes out. <laughs> It's like a really long, yeah, I could see that, like a long twirly straw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So from there, basically, the rest of Boba Fett's tale is Han gets tortured as they're trying to figure out, out, like, we think that it's because they're trying to find the location of Luke. We found out later, no, they're just testing Han Solo and doing some torture just to see his pain tolerances for carbon freezing, because that is what Vader has decided he's going to do with Han Solo. And Boba Fett protests because he's like, if you, you know, I'm collecting your bounty, got that. I have another bounty I'm getting from this guy from Jabba. He's not worth as much dead, so I need him to be alive. And Vader's like, well, we'll see if that works out. I don't really care. (laughs) The Empire might compensate you if he dies. Right. He says it, but we'll see. And so from there, basically, everything happens as we know it. Han Solo does get frozen. Um, you know, Lando checks on him. He's alive. Boba Fett's like money, money, money. Mm-hmm. Picks up, puts it on a hover mm-hmm. skid, and he and some cloud guards mm-hmm. go out and take it out to his ship. And Boba Fett does a few things here. He fires a few shots at Luke. Oh, that's true. He does mm. do something here. Yep. Um, I don't want to say it's the first time he does something because tracking Han is pretty big. It's his first it's action. First, yeah, it's his first action scene. 
Uh, so he takes a couple of shots at Luke, and Leia screams, it's a trap. And then he puts Han on the Slave One, and they take off. Then they leave. And we haven't talked about the Slave One yet. We'll save all the details about that for mm-hmm. another topic. But darn it if that wasn't one of the coolest things is seeing that ship. That ship is cool. And, and when the way it takes off from Cloud City yeah. there. Oh. And then from there, yeah, basically, all we see of uh, Boba Fett for the rest of the trilogy is we go into Return of the Jedi. He's hanging around Jabba's palace, having delivered it. It's now on a sconce in Jabba's palace where they can just, you know, admire this wall sculpture that is this living person. And basically, as far as we tell, Boba Fett's just like either just enjoying his money or just in between jobs, just hanging around Jabba's palace. All the way to the point that he goes on to the skiff uh, when they take it out and the sail barge and go and yeah. ch- check things out. When Han and Luke start getting out, he takes out his gun, fires a few shots. Then we find out that that freaking jetpack he has works and he flies over the skiff. And then basically a blind Han Solo says, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, putting his name into canon. And he basically hits him with a stick and he falls in the Sarlacc pit and dies. But the Sarlacc pit is so impressed by Boba Fett, it does burp. Okay. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts about both of that, but Jesse, I want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> Dude, there are so many. So I remember when I first were watching any of these films and Boba Fett's there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, guys. A lot of the time I was thinking, okay, he's just getting handed everything on a silver platter here. Yeah. When he's in space and that Millennium Falcon just flies past him. <gasps> oh my goodness. How lucky is he? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just thought to myself, Wow, how convenient. <laughs> but you know what? I like I think it's because I think it's because you know he is a top tier bounty hunter and mm-hmm. I guess I just wanted to see how professional he can be in this field and the, and you know, but it is actually funny when the Millennium Falcon does fly past. It, it yeah. is it, I remember yeah. going that uh, that's comical. So he's like Boba Fett is failing up. He's just like, oh, things we, just keep happening. We could do, yeah, a really dark thing. Like, he goes and he adjusts that little sensor yes. next to him. He's, he's like, oh, the Millennium Falcon. Okay, track that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I was just flown out with the garbage because I didn't want to pay docking fees. Jeez. <laughs> it was just pure luck. I like that. I like that head. I mean, I know it's sure. not. I know it's not just all luck. I know that. But yeah. it, but I, I, I just... I'm just saying, when I first saw it, I was just like, okay, like he just got handed it. <laughs> it's just, it's a, you're saying it's a coincidence. It is, it okay. is, yeah. Um, I, I, I've never thought about it before, honestly. Mac, have you ever thought about well, that? Well, so I'm, I'm not the person to ask. So, like, my love of Star Wars is, is a multifaceted thing. But, like, sure. the first thing that was, like, my Star Wars, mm-hmm. like, something that I consumed I didn't hand down from my brother, <laughs> was a book called Tales of the Bounty Hunters which is just a short story collection of each one of those bounty hunters on the bridge. That's amazing. And so from there, who I think Boba Fett is, is inextricably tied to the EU and Mm. that world. So for me, Boba Fett is like a lot of characters in fiction where the story outside his appearance is amazing. Mm -hmm. I recognize he's a very stock character used for a very simple dramatic storytelling beat and that's all he mm-hmm. exists for in those movies. He's a great, he's a great action figure. He is a, he and, is the maybe the perfect you, action. Let me figure. say this though, I'm not mean that. That's not to be mean to his character. But you have to think about the time period that they're in. A yeah. lot of this, a lot of the films, you know, they they have to think about the toys that they're going to be making because toys make a ton of money. Not like they do now. You know what I mean? No well, a like, perfect example is like he has a cool jetpack. 
Exactly. He doesn't use it. But yeah. You feel like in Return well, of the, the Jedi. Jetpack is his downfall, really. Well, but I'm he saying, dies but, because of his but I'm saying, it is. in Return of the Jedi, you feel it's almost obligatory. They made that scene so the jetpack could be used. Oh, I see what you you're You know saying. what I mean? Like, so you had the rocket firing jetpack yeah. action figure long before anyone wrote anything in the script yeah. in, in 1980 of like, oh, he should probably use some of his cool stuff. <laughs> that would probably like, you're right in the sense there's, there's a term that they use toyetic, like mm-hmm. is a concept toyetic. Does it make a good toy? Mm-hmm. And I think that star Wars is so at the bleeding start of all of that, mm-hmm. that I don't think it was really Boba Fett was, so much meant for that no, as no, no, much no, no. Yeah. As, no, no. as much as he is the example of that toy sold like crazy and he has like mm-hmm. three lines we can build things around people who look cool as a toy and they don't have to do anything interesting they just need to look cool That's yeah yeah uh, uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh i at the end of the day <laughs> boba fett is a character who looks really cool we have gotten some amazing legends and canon material for him since. But in those films, he doesn't do a whole lot. He goes out in a pretty punk way, a jetpack yeah, malfunction. I all, um, yeah, the worst time. I love the, uh, I love He's, the He dies arm, as a joke. The arm, uh, the, the, the wire, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even he know He does what do call the, it. the whip cord. The, the whip cord that he gets Luke with. Uh, I like that a lot. I like that, the whip um, cord. <laughs> yep. There's got to be a real name for it, right? There's got to no, be a canon. Is it no, no, I'm sorry. That, that is the is canon. That Wait, that name? is? That's the, that's I didn't the, know that. Listen. I love Boba Fett. I can name you all the pieces. I could talk about the fact that he has rocket launchers, uh, mini missile launchers inside his knee pads. He's got knives in his boots. He's got got blades that pop out of the side. And you know what? That's for another time because when we get to Jango Fett scene in episode two, that was we'll for me. Get to talk about that was that was all the things I read in the Essential Guide and the blueprints for for like <laughs> Boba Fett finally given the film treatment. <laughs> In the movie, he shoots a little lasso and has a jetpack that kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, oh, wait, that, and I, a cooled gun, because we did have the first time, which if you think about a weapon that shoots plasma, this shouldn't help it at all, but he does have Star Wars first sawed-off gun. <laughs> like a sawed-off shotgun, but a blaster. I don't. I think that would just make it scatter more and be a b- worse weapon, but it sounds cool. Hey, if it works it for sounds him. counds cool. If it works for him, man, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, so again, within canon, Boba Fett is a little bit of a punk, but again, <laughs> he is the, the, he's such a cool punk. Though. He's maybe one of the origin stories of like, uh, fandoms need to write fan fiction because pretty much Boba Fett had fan fiction being written about him from the word uh-huh. go. Like, who is he? Uh, oh, well, we had this thing for Imperial Super Commando. Was he an Imperial Super Commando? Well, actually, we eventually called him a Mandalorian. What's a Mandalorian? We don't know. Oh, I want to know. Like, he sparked the imagination of an entire, literally, literally. when you get to the, the, the Mandalorian, um, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian, like, what is it? The Brotherhood? The the, the costumer group. That, oh. <laughs> uh, there, there's an entire Mandalorian thing that is all just... Boba Fett. I saw them at the Mandalorian. They were amazing. Like, there's an entire wing of people, uh, and I'm I'm definitely one of those. Vote on to my brothers and sisters of the Mando. Like, there's an entire wing of people that started because, oh, cool. We have these really neat characters. It's no different than Star Trek and their Klingons. Like, Klingons don't do anything too interesting Mm -hmm. in the show, but a mythos built out of, but what do they do? What did we not see? 
and that is not a bad thing. Having good-looking characters that you can see on a package, mm-hmm. you can see from a still, mm-hmm. that bring people in, you can see them on a magazine cover, that's a good thing. If, yep. if 100%. people came to Star Wars because they like Boba Fett, because they like Jango Fett, because they like the sw- Slave One, that all sounds good to me. Like what you like. If you're a huge Boba Fett fan, I support you 100%. I like them. I don't love them. I agree. And, and and when you have a character that only has maybe like four more lines than General Mahdi, I totally understand why there's a inverse reaction to people's fandom for this character that is kind of muted in that story. But like I said, I think it's that idea and what it caused and all the extra work that came out of it that is really why Boba Fett has the fandom he does. It's not what we just talked about. It's not contained in just those yeah. scenes. Absolutely. All right. Well, that sounds pretty good. I think we did a pretty good job of being, I think, fair. I I hope I didn't gush too much. I think we definitely (laughs) knocked him down a peg and reminded ourselves of what he actually did and his humble beginnings in the holiday special. So I think that's all we're going to talk about with Boba Fett for now. I can't imagine this will be the last time we talk about The Mandalorian. I'm excited to talk about some cloning later on. So yeah, (laughs) we will definitely get back to it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this all up and we're going to move on to our next topic. See you soon. Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midichlorians. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside yourselves, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. Hi, welcome back to another segment of Star Wars in All In. We are we are going a little bit waist deep in controversy now as we enter into one of the most, uh, I guess, polarizing topics in Star Wars. We're going to be talking about the little organisms that live in every living cell. We're talking about midichlorians. <laughs> I am excited to figure out how many midichlorians I have. <laughs> it's probably about two. About two? Because <laughs> I have tried to move a lot of things through my mind and I have had no luck. You know, they never really tell us what that is. Like, is that the sample size from the blood? Is that from a... Because in theory, they're in every like cell, a per right? cell. So, like, it Anakin has 20,000 metachlorians per cell. His readings I, are off the chart. I've looked at off the charts. More than Master Yoda. Which is crazy. Yeah. So, Jesse, you really wanted to talk... When we asked you what you'd be interested in talking about with us mm-hmm. here, uh, you said metachlorians. <laughs> and uh, I'm really curious. Why did you why want to talk about metachlorians? Yeah. Well... When you, <laughs> when you're online and you enter into the Star Wars realm, mm-hmm. you know you. you <laughs> I think I know where this is going. You yeah, you go. begin to see you know a lot of debates, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of heated debates. And I remember one night it was two a.m. and I got sucked into this world. And it's only because <laughs> I be- correct me if I'm wrong. It, it it's Quagon, right? That brings it up for the very first time yes so Quagon. he tests anakin tells blood. yes and he and he talks about them right yeah that, that's the first time it's mentioned first time ever i in film i remember watching it knowing nothing i like i i you know i heard it i got it and that was it 
But it, that night at 2 a.m., that's when I really got into it. <laughs> And, and we're not talking about 1999. No. Right? We're talking about more recently. More recent. Okay. And I just remember there are half the people love the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they love the idea that there are smart, capable uh, life mm-hmm. in cells, mm-hmm. but not just in one cell. In a lot of cells, mm-hmm. if if you're capable of having that many, uh, they they a lot of people like that. There's life inside life that can grant you gifts, yeah, powers of some sort. Um, and then the other half hate the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm interested to hear <laughs> what everyone's yeah, thoughts I think are. That's a fair way to frame it. I think that sounds pretty accurate. I don't know if the numbers are half because maybe I know not. A lot of Star Wars fans who seem to not like. it. I'll be honest. I, I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, and that's okay. I do want to get everybody's opinion. Uh, we talk on this show about being positive about the Star Wars we have. And yeah, we will continue to do that. I may not like it, but that, I'll, I'll respect it. Yeah, yeah. let's. It, it's okay to talk about our own opinions for sure. So let's frame it as we have in the movie because there's not much to talk about Mm -hmm. so the year is 99 it's may i'm seeing the phantom menace in orlando (laughs) florida at the amc theater there at downtown disney and i've got my pod racing t-shirt on oh wow all into it i'm ready we are uh you know about what 45 minutes into the movie or so we've just escaped the blockade we've just met r2d2 in the prequels for the first time we're on Tatooine. Wow, we're back at Tatooine. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we're meeting Anakin. Gwygon's testing his blood because he realizes that... What does he know about Anakin up to this point? He's the only human who can pod race. Okay. Which right? is amazing. He is a talented guy for reading people. He notices his lightsaber. He wants to help people. Uh, you know, he uh, is kind to Gwygon. There's a storm coming. You'll never make it to your ship in time. Come home with me. So, you know, these few interactions that Qui-Gon has had with Anakin, he goes, you know what? I better get my little portable blood testing kit out and see what this guy's doing. And have him do the Jedi test. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So he tests his blood. He explains to Anakin that metachlorians are these living beings that live inside all of us, inside of our cells. Mm -hmm. And essentially... That's the end of the conversation, right? He then gets on his uh, little communicator and calls Obi-Wan and goes, I need you to run these tests for me. And Obi-Wan does. And he says, oh, it's over 20,000. Even Master Yoda doesn't have a reading that high. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's what Qui-Gon says, <laughs> well, right? I'm, I didn't go back and watch the clip because I've seen episode one within the last couple of weeks here. So I'm no, just that's uh, the paraphrasing. Gist. But yeah. that's the gist of it, right? Right. And I mean, so for me, a year after 1999, I would understand why people didn't like midichlorians because I see Dragon Ball Z for the first time and realize that to most people, they don't like, I think the reason people don't like midichlorians is it did three things to Star Wars canon. One, it gave a scientific explanation to Jedi that most people feel they didn't need. Mysticism was fine. They didn't need science for it. Two, it made it that there are objective levels. There are Jedi with really, really good potential and really, really bad potential based on this IQ test for Jedis. And I think I like it, calling it that. And I think <laughs> connecting it to that, I think it also for a lot of people made it of, well, does that mean I can't be a Jedi? Does that mean when you're born, they test you and you're like, nope, not Jedi material. Next. 
I think all three of those points are sound reasonings that I've heard from other fans before. Yeah. Jesse, all the ones. would you agree? 100%. Okay. All three of those are exactly what everyone talks about. It's okay. what I talk about. So let's, I, I think that sounds good. Let me throw in a couple of things when we're looking at the Star Wars movies and just the Star Wars movies here. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we have one Jedi being trained in the OT. As far as we know, Luke, and, or I'm sorry, Obi-Wan and Yoda are the only Jedi left. Yep. They've identified Luke through his uh, lineage, through his parentage. Yes. They know that he has the potential to be a Force user, and they also know of Leia. But basically, they know because this guy's father was a powerful Jedi that he has potential to be a Jedi as well. Yeah. When you think about the prime of the Jedi era, thousands of world, millions and billions and trillions of people and species, Mm -hmm. they want to identify these people. It's been added into canon now that they try and get people no older than about three or four, Mm -hmm. you know, preferably even younger. So it's not like these kids are in grade three lifting rocks and they go, oh, got to send you to Jedi school now. Hope you don't miss your family, right? They have to have a way to identify them. So with the story that was built, you have to have a way to identify these kids. Is a blood test the best way? I don't know. I'm not a movie writer. I don't write scripts. I'm not George Lucas. And to be honest with you, whatever George wants to tell me about his story, I'm going to accept. So I had no problem going with Metachlorians then. I don't really have a problem with it now. Mm-hmm. What I don't, where I think he did a good thing with them is you can have lower Metachlorians than me. You can still be a more powerful Jedi. It's yep. just the potential. Yeah, it's 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 an IQ test. Yeah. An IQ test measures your ability to reason. It does not measure your ability to improve or decrease that ability to reason. It is just a measure of your general reasoning skills, and those can improve, those can diminish. You can do whatever you want with that potential. Now, yeah. as <clears throat> as we're talking about that, though, we're also saying that you can potentially kill off this life or add on this life right because you're saying mm-hmm. you can get better if you try if you have the potential there say you have twelve thousand midi-chlorians right okay you have twelve thousand you're on number I like ready twelve thousand yeah. and you want to become a jedi and you start to train more right mm-hmm. your number goes up so essentially, you just created more life. So I don't think about it as numbers going up, but this is a really interesting point. I think about it more like you're getting more by by being one with the Force, by trying to, shall we say, enlighten yourself with the Force. You're feeling more in touch with the Because mm-hmm. the Force is the best example of the Force in The Last Jedi. It's the life that flows through everything. Yeah. It's in life. It's in death. It's in all of these things that we see. Okay, so being in touch with the Force is getting more in touch with these living beings inside of you. Yep. They're not controlling okay. the Force. It's by understanding... I always took it as, now that I'm older, not when I was eight years old in 1999, I take it more as internal enlightenment, internal peace. Well, they, when you become more in touch with the Metachlorians okay. inside of you, you become more in touch with the Force. And that's the big thing, is in touch. They they say in episode one, there's the scene uh, when they're leaving Coruscant where... Qui-Gon says, like, focus, you know, your your reality is determined by your focus. And he says, like, if you quiet your mind, you will heal the midi-chlorian speaking to you. Like, and I think they establish, especially in the uh, lost missions of uh, Clone Wars, where Yoda goes on a journey where he sort of sees a little bit more into 
the mechanics of the force and some like avatars of the like the the, the for the living force that's speaking through the midi chlorians mm-hmm. that the midi and chlorians are sort of like your internal transmitter like mm-hmm. if you've got a lot of them you got a powerful transmitter you could really hear the force well if you listen to it if you attune yourself to it but you could deaden that inside of you too so you're again back to the count is a measure of potential it's not you know, you, you know, Forrest Gump has a low IQ, but he got really far yeah. in life with that low IQ. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a death sentence and it's not a privilege. It's just setting up what you could do. And most importantly, should the Jedi Order attempt to train you, are you a likely candidate or not out of the thousands of, yeah. you know, children we could be checking? Yeah, I, yeah, I feel. Mm-hmm. All right, but. I want to go into a little bit of physics here. Okay. Now that we've walked away from the metaphysics. So another thing I want to mention is, so midichlorians very likely comes from something I learned a year before episode one in a 1998 video game called Parasite Eve, which is the concept of uh, mitochondria Eve. Are you guys familiar with this? Not at all. It's a scientific idea that inside most animal cells, including humans, we have a part of the cell called the the mitochondria. And the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It is the thing that generates the electricity that runs our bioelectrical machines. Well, there's a theory called Mitochondria Eve that at one point there was a subject zero who did not have that. Mm. And that that parasite became a symbiotic creature in all of our cells. And eventually, because there's like nucleic acid in a mitochondria that it shouldn't have because it's not an independent part of your body it's just part of the cell but was it at one time its own entity its own one-celled organism and so it's this whole philosophy about the idea that well perhaps we are already a symbiotic creature we already had these creatures that we are permanently bonded to and in the game parasite eve they actually turn that into superpowers because the person actually generates in tremendous amounts of heat from their body by overloading their mitochondria cells and it's a whole it's a japanese okay. horror movie oh, so that's a whole a different PC thing game? Uh, PlayStation. I don't think I've ever wow. heard of it. Okay. It was from Square. It was like basically a survivor horror meets an RPG. Huh. Um, but it's it's a it's a real, not particularly. It's not pseudoscience, but it is a theoretical oh, thing in science. And so I think the the midichlorians are basically just giving it a different name, so it's not tied to that physical phenomenon. But I think it's making the same same idea is that these midichlorians, these organisms, we become symbiotic with we can use them to tap into the ethereal energy that is the force. It is, they are the, the medium in which that, you know, eternal ethereal energy that we can sense goes through our living biology. Because again, that is grounded in some general science. And yeah. I think that's where Lucas probably get it. Cause he's like, well, I was just thinking that, you know, the Jedi, they should probably have some, some fingerprints. You know, if you, if you can throw a guy across a room, you got that's got to do something to your body. And like, I assume he, <laughs> he just got to that point where he wanted an explanation for something that no one needed an explanation for. But I feel Star Wars is full of that. Midi chlorines oh. is just the one we really grasp onto. Like clerks, the movie talks about independent mm-hmm. contractors and the, how hard it would be to actually build a death star yeah. and how messy and third party, but like, no one asked you to think about that. No one wants you to think about the Death Star got built because, you know, it has to be built for the Star Wars movie to work. It needs to be there. One thing it really feels like we've learned a lot over the last couple of years uh, since the Disney era of Star Wars is that fans like to speculate. 
Yeah. And of course, when <laughs> speculation doesn't necessarily lead to certain things, uh, some people tend to be angry about that. And I think having this hard and fast thing to identify Jedi, I think the the most thing, the thing I can agree with most, Mac, that you said is some people felt it made them feel like they could not become a Jedi. Yeah. Now, I will say you were a human being living on Earth in the real world, not in this made up fantasy <laughs> world, so you could never have been a Jedi. But I understand where they're coming from. Jesse, now that we've talked a lot about... Uh, earthbound physics or what was it uh, <laughs> biology i guess you would more say yeah. uh any other thoughts on metachlorians that you'd like to add i know this was a topic you're interested in um i would just like to say i i wouldn't mind if it was because it's canon it is i it wouldn't is. mind if it is brought back up i don't think they would i don't think the newer movies would do that I have but, no idea what's going to happen. But here's the thing. <laughs> I, don't I know, know, I know. I know. But here's the thing. I wouldn't mind it because I, yeah. I respect that they they tried something. I respect that they try mm -hmm. to make science out of it, right? But right. I, I also don't need it. I don't need it. But if they do, do if if they end up talking about it, it will. It can only expand. It can only expand that. It felt very science fictiony in a movie that is more fantasy. Exactly. Right. Uh, and to a certain extent, I can understand that. Um, I would love more Metachlorian talk to come back. I don't think it's necessary in Star Wars movies, mm -mm. but and again, it up just in novels, TV exactly. shows, and just time check. We're out out before uh, you know uh, Rise of Skywalker comes out, so I mean, it could talk about it. I don't think any of us particularly expected to. I, I think the Clone Wars little bit with Yoda is about the biggest tip of the cap we're going to get to, guys. Midichlorians are still canon and it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's about as much as we're going to get because it is a polarizing conversation. It just, um, like you said, it, 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 it's very much a, you got science facts in my science fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so that is good. I like that. That does sound like uh, some things I've heard before. And, and again, I, I, when I saw it originally, I thought midi-chlorians were fine. Again, I had a framework of, of playing a different game <laughs> yeah, with, like, really science. Yeah, you really had a different experience. Yeah, like, you were already one uh, up oh, above midi everyone midi <laughs> with this. Uh, midi-chlorians are just like space words for mitochondria. I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, weird kid. That's just how I was. But I mean, I think the, I think the biggest thing is like, it's the same, it's the same arguments you hear when people are like, well, why do lightsabers only go out so far? It's like, because it looks cool. Like at the end of the day, all of this is in service of a story. And George Lucas wrote midichlorians because he's like, well, there's gotta be a test because I need them to identify Anakin enough that they feel objectively good about freeing this boy from slavery to go have him go in front of the Jedi Council. This is not asking them to just like, oh, he's here, just put him on the ship. Like, they're going to have to do work to get this kid out, so he, we need an objective reason why he's important. Yeah, we yeah, need a way to sense. tell the audience how the Jedi found candidates. Yes. There had to be a way. There had to be a there, way. You're right, right, there has to be a way. Yeah. And I don't think a blood test is that unreasonable of a way. Nope. No, it's not. So with that I, being I said, yeah. Any, anybody else have anything to add to Medicare? <sighs> I don't think so. I mean, I think with all that being said, I've just like I think this room is like Medicare is okay. It's not the biggest deal. 
company. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. part of Star Wars. It's part of the Star Wars we have. Yep. And I think this is going to come up more and more in years to come. It's part of the George Lucas Star Wars. That's true, too. Which mm-hmm. I am not the type of person to put it on a pedestal. I love all Star Wars films. Yeah. Um, I love almost every aspect of Star Wars, even the parts I haven't come around to. Uh, early, I have now started to like like the animated Star Wars. I've really gotten a mm-hmm. lot more into that, and for a long time, that was kind of a holdout on Clone Wars, and uh, then eventually Rebels. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's Star Wars, and it's part of the story. It's part of the universe. All right. Well, as we ponder if our Metaclorian counts are over five thousand or not, or what the entrance exam level it needs to be, we'll move away from Metaclorians and on to another topic. See you soon. Many years I have been on this ship, teaching many a Jedi before you, and I will continue teaching many a Jedi after you. Call me what you want, but inside my memory banks, I contain a record of every lightsaber ever made, and the Jedi who fashioned them. Which will you choose? A simple grip? The curved approach? One inlaid with the bone of the Cartusian whale, Bastilian ore, or Black Onk? Well? From battles of Rashfond to the peacekeeping of Parleyok to our very own Clone Wars, the lightsaber is a Jedi's only true ally. But how do they work? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have brought me crystals, but they're all useless unless you give them life. Do you know how to awaken the Force within the crystal? No? Then I suggest you listen and learn until you think of a question this droid cannot answer. Welcome back to Star Wars All In. This is still Ross here with Mac and Jesse, and we are now going to do something a little bit different than we've ever done before. We are going to talk about our favorite lightsaber. We are going to be able to pull from all of Star Wars, canon, legends, animated, film, whatever you want your favorite lightsaber to be, that is fine by me. So... Before I tell you about my favorite saber and talk about why it's the best, I'm going to let Jesse lead off because this was his idea. This mm-hmm. was my he idea. to talk about favorite lightsabers, and I'll tell you, I am a fan of this topic. So let's go ahead. Jesse, I'm going to throw it over to you. What is your favorite lightsaber in all of Star Wars? All right. Real quick, I just want to say lightsabers all together they are the coolest weapon in the <laughs> galaxies okay um they're used by not only the jedi order our heroes but they're used by the sith counterpart mm-hmm. i mean that is awesome um i will yeah. say yeah. my favorite saber um and listen this is over years of you know debating and then some and then i saw something and then i really so loved excited. Um, my favorite saber is Kylo Ren's. And don't roll your eyes oh, quite no, I, yet. Okay, okay, okay. I never would. Go ahead, please. Go um, ahead. the only reason I say don't roll your eyes is because I, you know, I go online a lot and I see, w- listen, we all remember when the, <laughs> when the movie came out, a lot of people did not like the cross guard. Right. They did not like it. I don't remember it that Dude, way. Dude, they really? did Do not. You, you don't Mac, remember you the remember. controversy? Okay, okay, hold on. Oh. That first clip we see. <laughs> Dude, you remember. Yeah, we I don't remember. know who he is yet. We don't know who the character is. We no. just see this character in black robes <laughs> stalking through a forest at night, right? He's just kind of like, like, kind of like this weird purposeful walk. And then all of a sudden this kind of like thrust 
throws his arm out. We see the red blade. It's crackling like something we've never seen in a Star Wars. Never film have before. seen. I have chills right now. And then yep, all of yep. a sudden, <coughs> then whoa, a beat later. two more mini blades, <laughs> three blades total. Holy crap! First that's of its one kind. more than Darth Maul. This what? Wow. <laughs> so okay, so that yeah, that's more of how I remember <laughs> it was like like that's one. Oh yeah, prequels got uh, double bladed lightsaber. <laughs> well, guess what? The sequels have a triple bladed lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know which that alone. <laughs> See, because that's how I remember yeah. reaction is like one of the first memes I saw from the trailer uh, after people did like making Goofy in the stormtrooper armor because it was the Disney Star Wars. Finally, was it was Kylo Ren, but he's like, and it, yes, they would keep adding and then it. They added like it would be like almost like like a like an Oriental fan of blades yes. coming out of the thing because people were just like, oh, it doesn't make sense at all. And then cue to like all these YouTubers yep. uh, making videos of like, no, it does make sense to have those on a sword. And we've seen Kylo use it, but I, you know what? Hold on. I don't want to get too off track here. Jesse, what do you love about that saber? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the vi- When I just immediately think about it, the very first thing I absolutely love is the crackling noise it has. Oh, I have never God, yes. heard of a noise quite like that on any other saber whether it's animated mm-hmm. or uh-huh. the movie, uh-huh. I have never heard anything like that before. And it was in that trailer that yep. when I first heard that, I was like, this is special and this they, is different. They emphasize it a little bit more in the movie versions than mm-hmm. I feel like they do in that trailer. But yes, you see it. It just, it feels different. Yes. Yeah. And there was a lot of speculation of why his lightsaber looked like that. Mm-hmm. Um, should I discuss that at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think let's, we're gonna learn let's, some of that yeah. hopefully with this new. So, uh, in case you are listening to this in the future, it is 2019. Yes, we are about three and a half months away from the rise of Skywalker, from yeah. the Kylo Ren Knights of Ren comic, and everything Whoa. else we're gonna get. So, yeah, timestamp. We may we're learn right more about yeah. this lightsaber in the future than we know right now. Just want to throw that little disclaimer in there, Jesse. Go for it. From what I know, or what we know. It is a cracked kyber crystal, right? Oh, okay. That would make sense. That's what I'm thinking. And my thing is, is I think it's a cracked kyber crystal. And the way that, I mean, lightsabers, they're all customizable, right? Right, right. You create yours. Um, And I'm thinking that Kylo, when creating his, you know, even in the first trailer, even in the movie... Uh, Force Awakens. He, you can tell he's obsessed with the past, and he, yeah. he loves collecting vintage items. You know, he he loves what his grandfather did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's obsessed with legacy. Obse- the legacy, yes, exactly. And I think when he was crafting it, I think I don't know. Sometimes I personally like to think that something happened when mm-hmm. he was creating it, which then cracked the Kyber crystal. Or maybe he did it on purpose. I don't know. Either way, Hmm. I love it and it looks awesome. Well, there's two things I can think of where that could happen. It could be just cracked at the beginning. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah, It could have just been broken at the beginning. Now, Ross, I feel like if anyone knows this off the top of the head, you would be. In Last Jedi, (laughs) do we see Ben Solo's lightsaber color? We do. It's blue. It's blue. And it's a different lightsaber. But remember, the Sith, it is canon now that the Sith have red lightsabers. 
because they make them bleed, as they say. They imbue their hate onto, onto the crystal, onto the crystal yeah. and they change the color of it naturally. So it absolutely could be his blue lightsaber crystal. It is a very different hilt than he uses. He well, does the, not use a modified version of his Jedi apprentice hilt. But it could be that it that could be the crystal. Yeah, because I mean, even even Snoke says that, like you know, his yeah. his compassion has broken him in exactly. half, and so that could represent that his kyber crystals cracked. Yeah, and we do have... So I did pull up the Wikipedia article here. I should have brought down the Visual Dictionary, which is, I'm sure, where we can learn about this. I don't know why I did. I, I'm sorry. My research for this episode was just not... I was thinking more we... You know, I wasn't prepared to talk about the backstory of each of these lightsabers, so I do apologize. Okay. I also just learned what your favorite lightsaber is about 10 seconds ago. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Part of that's on me for not asking sooner. Uh, not but, bringing all of your reading material just in case yeah, when you why might didn't I bring my whole library down Jesse just saw my library for the first time oh, it's incredible it's uh, deep isn't it it's so, vastly so vast. I, I don't want to talk about this very long but my favorite <laughs> part of Star Wars is the books and that's okay. everything the novelizations the reference yeah. material I love the books if I could have one complete collection of anything it would be uh, all of the legacy novels which I am working on uh-huh. I have them all I think if you include paperback but I want them all in every mm, version of their release sure. hardback first edition so I'm working on that um, but anyway that's not the point right now so I did pull up Wikipedia here so we do have the lightsaber contains a cracked kyber crystal. There you mm-hmm. go. Requiring it to have lateral vents on either side of the handle in order to divert the extra heat. When oh. you mentioned it, I wanted to look it up because I did remember that, but there's no source on here. And that's very unlike Wikipedia, Wikipedia not yeah. to have a source. Mm. So I don't, I mean, we're going to have to do a little bit more digging, I think. But I think for now, we can absolutely well, agree that it is a cracked crystal giving mm-hmm. it that effect. And it makes sense that, that the cross guards aren't meant to be actual cross guards. They're not meant to be a weapon. Because, I mean, they stick out on metal with the emitters until they go out. So, like, if a lightsaber came down, it's not like that's going to stop it. It would mm-hmm. cut right through the emitter and, like, yeah, not work. Yeah, but he uses it, which I love. Well, he well, uses but I, it. He does. But I like the idea that they, they weren't built as part of the weapon. They're built as to compensate for... It's a necessity. Yeah. 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 Necessity. Because it makes sense, because especially, like we said about the trailer, it's boom, beat, then the two come out. Yeah. It's not perfect, and that's why I love it. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. And it's, I love how schizophrenically it's made, like with the wires jagged. on the outside. Yes, that red wire, which it's, is in no way practical. No. no, it's not. No. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, I should probably put some cowling over that. Yeah. Don't want to rip that off. And I'll tell you what, I on love something. that lightsaber. I That fight on Starkiller base at night in the yeah. woods, mm. snowing. It's not my favorite lightsaber fight. But it might be my favorite setting for a lightsaber fight. Ooh. I just, I really love the red and the blue reflecting off the white snow. The snowfall. And then as yeah. the planet begins to explode or implode, uh, it, it's there's a great something setting. visually amazing about that lightsaber, yeah. especially when it's clashing with a blue saber. Mm-hmm. And as you said, the sound is just amazing. And I'm a person that is all for backstory when it's necessary and when i just look at that lightsaber i just feel like there's backstory that we need there's more and i i I need it i really think it's going to be in that knights of ren miniseries that four comic run coming out later this year um i really hope we get in there i wouldn't be surprised if it's ben's crystal um you know maybe damaged in that in that hot 
sequence that we see in The Last Jedi. Um, you know, up until this point where we are right here in uh, September of 2019, Kylo Ren is not yet a Sith. That might change, but yeah. at the moment he's not a Sith. So one of the things that the Sith have to do is they have to take the lightsaber crystal from a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there aren't many Jedi left around. Kylo has killed Jedi at this point. Uh, well, Jedi oh. apprentices. So mm -hmm. it could be any of their crystals. Yeah, it any of the ones be, he killed I mean, at I think the Academy. At, this point, mm -hmm. at first, I know a lot of people were speculating it could be Vader's crystal. Um, as far as we know, Vader's crystal is on that necklace that Luke I was going to say, I in thought, the, in The yeah. Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're pretty, at least we're pretty sure we don't know all the details yet. That's a story for another time. Well, but. And, and, and I think the other thing is we may never know. Like, there's a That's certain true. amount of, this is like just talking about like Star Wars is full of these things where. We want to know the answers because we're yeah. Star Wars nerds, but we really don't. Yeah. Because it's never going to be as fun as the speculation of what it could be. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars does not need to be a checklist. It does right. not need to be a fact checklist. Their mysteries can exist. Uh, Star Wars is about characters. This is one thing I've kind of come mm -hmm. to say a lot lately, I've realized. Yeah. Um, I recently finished Game of Thrones a couple months after it ended. I didn't watch it with everybody. Wanted to wait till it was over. That's how I like to consume television mm -hmm. shows. And, Binging. you know, The Last Jedi, Game of Thrones have a lot of similar fan reactions of, oh, you know, I feel this way about the way it went, where the plot went. But to me, Star Wars has always been about character development. It's always been about where do the characters end up? How does what happens in the plot affect the characters, not how do the characters affect the plot? Mm -hmm. And lightsabers, I feel the same way. They're there to carry us forward. We don't need to know how they work. Uh, I love it. I love seeing it. I yeah. love that I'm going to go Galaxy's Edge and build my own lightsaber. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But having said that, I don't feel like I need it for every single saber. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to mine. I think I also interpret it as a lot of the, a lot of the Jedi's and Siths, a lot of their lightsabers, they, they're symbolic in a way mm -hmm. to who they yeah. are. I, that's that's the way I well, like to take it. May the, not be, but I, mean, I like to think uh, that way. To steal a quote from another franchise, Harry Potter, there's that whole thing of like they talk about the wands and how yeah, the, you know the wizard perfect. doesn't choose the wand, the wand chooses the wizard. There's a harmony between this very very personal object and the character and we have that in star wars the mm -hmm. the like like vader's lightsaber is a corrupted dark version of anakin's lightsaber like it's perfect the, you know <laughs> kylo ren's is not just split in the crystal it's it's split along the body it's wired together and held mm -hmm. together by like you know barely anything just mm -hmm. like kylo ren is barely held together if it was in our universe it would definitely be duct taped oh sure <laughs> yeah. oh my yeah like the equivalent I would draw. Gorilla glue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> duct tape. You, you, you mean mesh tape? Yeah. Y yes, there's a Star Wars canon duct tape. It's called is. mesh tape. Mac also wow. wants to do a whole episode on durasteel and permacrease. I so. do want to talk about materials of Star Wars deeply. <laughs> I mean, oh, I we're going to get to it. Talk about it. I'll just sit here and go, uh huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jesse, anything else you want to add about Kylo's lightsaber? I love it in the throne room fight. I love oh, when yeah. Ray picks it up. Uh, yeah, I, it's a great saber. Yeah. It's easily, I think, the best saber we've gotten. Well, it's the only real new saber we've gotten, I guess, in the sequel trilogy. Uh, <laughs> it, so it just felt uh, fresh. But it is, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and seeing it in use in the throne room battle, oh God, yeah. I love a lot of lightsaber battles. Mm -hmm. But that one, something, something clicked with me in that in that saber. It, yeah. It's and him using it, I I just loved it. The way he uses it with such ferocity, 
with He's such in, aggression yeah. when he cuts into Finn's shoulder yeah. with it. Uh, oh, my God. It's just he feels powerful when he uses it, and he shouldn't because 100%. it's a lightsaber that isn't fully functioning the way it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. But it just makes him feel menacing. Well, it's because it's so erratic like he is. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's a great it's choice, Jesse. Yeah. Great choice. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that leads us to yours, Ross. What is? I'd be happy to talk. Yeah, about Yeah. What, what's yours? So, 1983. <laughs> Luke Han tied time. up, about to be executed in the Sarlacc pit. We don't know what Luke's about to do. He hasn't had a lightsaber uh, since he lost his father's saber on Cloud City. He has not used it yet in this film. We're about to see. Last chance, Jabba. Surrender now. Ha, ha, ha. No, no, no. You're going to be executed. We see. Thank you. I cannot do a good imitation of anything, let alone any Star Wars characters. So, except for, yippee! I'm good at that one. But That's beyond that, yeah, beyond that, uh, you know, so we see R2 roll to the edge. We see that little trap door in his head slide back, <laughs> see the lightsaber, and oh, all of a one sudden... Of the, one of the best music is the... Dum, yes, I was just going to say, all of a sudden the dum, music kicks in, the lightsaber dum. shoots up, you see Luke's black hand oh, go up to the man, blue sky, and all of a sudden the lightsaber dum, falls in, it ignites. Dum, 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 oh my God, dum. it's a green saber. We've never seen green before. Yep. And he's just cutting people down with it. So you know, good. <laughs> he, he is, Luke yeah. is so powerful with this saber. He kicks a guy, doesn't even touch him. The guy goes flying. Yeah. Right? All the things yeah. he does, he cuts the, the whip cord, as you called it, Mac. Right? Boba yep. Fett's whip cord. That's, I learned something new today. I learned something new about Star Wars <laughs> yeah. every day. Um, that saber to me, Luke's Episode Six, Return of the Jedi, green lightsaber is my favorite star wars saber now i have a lot of reasons why i like it one green is my favorite color it's my favorite <laughs> lightsaber color that helps um, that so helps a lot seeing that as i when i was a kid like oh my gosh lightsabers can be other colors than blue and red because up until that point no it was, it was all just... about red sabers i thought yeah. that was the coolest thing seeing vader's red saber um you know I and just... it was just blue and red right yeah exactly so we had so we yeah. had blue and red up until that point and yep. then we had Oh my gosh, here's this green saber. Now, only made green because the blue clashed with the skies of Tatooine. Yeah. The only reason that saber is green. a production. Yeah. Yep, it was a production choice. In the trailer, it was blue. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I remember that. they decided that green just looked better. So it literally had no thought to it whatsoever. But man, well, other it, than it, was a it opened choice. a door. But, yeah. But that's the happy accidents. I mean, Darth Vader, as we know him, is a happy accident of like, well, he has to have a space suit to walk through space. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks yeah. really good. Let's never take that spacesuit off. Okay. Yeah. Now he's damaged inside and he has to wear it all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Shrug. Yeah. Star Wars is a, a, a trilogy about happy accidents. So oh, yeah. we see this lightsaber. It's longer. It feels longer than Luke's. Yeah. Well, Anakin or Vader's mm-hmm. saber, right? It feels longer. It feels bigger. feels heavier. More like say, a broad weight sword. Weight to it. Yeah. It's got that gold trim and that tiny thin neck. Mm-hmm. Now... It yeah. is really reminiscent of the saber Obi-Wan uses in episode four and eventually in episode three. Uh, and Luke models the saber after that. Well, especially that pommel at the bottom is that kind of like yeah. spherical piece with a little yeah. like squared off teeth around it. Yeah. And you know what I like about it is it's got that big button, you know, to turn the lightsaber yeah. on. Yeah. And I always thought that felt very impractical. So with this bigger saber, it felt like there was more room to hold it. 
Yeah. Whereas with the smaller oh. sabers, I always felt like that would get in the way if you were trying to wield one. Yeah, you'd have so to like angle it, just, it so it's between your thumb yeah, and your fingers or something. It felt for like, especially when we get into that throne room battle at the end, mm-hmm. and he's just chopping away at Vader, <laughs> holding it with two hands, right? Vader can barely hold up his saber, trying to he's trying to hold on to the railing. It's railed, definitely a broad Trying sword, to block right? him, and it just yeah, felt feels like powerful. It. And it was just that moment on Tatooine, the music, the green against the blue sky. Oh my gosh, this is something new. It just, it has stuck with me since then. There are lots of sabers I like. Like I said, I love red sabers. I thought Palpatine had an amazing saber design. Seeing a purple saber for the first time with Windu, oh. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid, I love Maul's saber. It's not my favorite now. Uh, but, you know, seeing that for the first time, really liked that a lot. Um, maybe my other favorite saber beside Luke's and beside Kylo's, because I do love Kylo's, is Count Dooku's. I really had oh, to think ha- really long good. and hard about what was going to be my choice for this, because sure. even though Luke seemed like the obvious choice, I'm like, man, I really love that hilt of Dooku's Dooku. curb saber. But at the end of the day, I, I have to give it to that childhood feeling of just seeing that to. green saber in the sky. I... It still to this day gives me more chills than almost anything in the original trilogy. When I see that that lightsaber light up, and then when they're in the dark parts of the throne room, you know, when they're over the underhang mm-hmm. there, and it's really dark, and you have the sky backdrop, oh, and the saber lighting are everything crossing. up, yeah, yep. and then you see them cross yeah. the red and the green oh. in front of in front of Sidious's face, and just everything about that color scheme, red and green together, I absolutely love. It's just everything about it my only regret is that we barely saw it in the sequel trilogy you know i really my only so i don't know if i've ever explicitly said this i love the last jedi it's one of it's my second favorite star wars movie after a new hope and Mm -hmm. i love everything that happens i did not know that about you man i i i I love everything that happens on crate i love luke's force projection spoilers for the last jedi if you haven't seen it uh (laughs) But I really wish he would have been using his green lightsaber there. I get the symbolism of that lightsaber in the sequel trilogy. We've really, um, what is the word, deified it. Mm-hmm. Like, we've really Very brought much it to so. a point where that lightsaber has so much meaning to it. Which, like, I understand. But at the same time, Anakin lost so many lightsabers. Well, no, no. But I think that's you know? part of it. He's, yeah. I think that's part of it is the fact of, like, when you watch the prequel, you realize how much it shouldn't have reverence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's fine. I'm, we're not going to talk about that. But, like, that is the only thing I love. We got to see it in the flashback scenes. I was glad we got to see it. We got to see him hold it again and use it. My only regret for that saber is that he didn't use it in his force projection on crate. Yeah. And actually, probably one of my only criticisms of that film. And not really even a criticism. Oh, yeah. No, that green blade would have looked really cool against the red sands of Crate. I mean, yes. Because it would have been kind of an homage to when they first, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, we see. Make an edition of this. And (laughs) And we see him fight. Fight. He. That's what he tries to strike Kylo with. Yes, we do see it in all three flashbacks. So it would have made as just as much sense for it to be that because it's such a symbol to Kylo of this is the guy who tried to kill me. And I do love too. We see that Luke has carried this saber for thirty years. Yeah, he he has had this saber. He's never lost it. He's used the same one. And the saber is a huge homage to Obi Wan, his mentor. It's based off of that in the deleted scene that we got before the uh, at celebration before the Blu Ray box set was released 
in what 2012 mm-hmm. the sounds scene about was right. shown earlier than that but the where he's constructing it and yeah. putting it in so yeah. there's the deleted scene of him constructing the saber and while i agree that shouldn't be in the movie because it totally takes ruins away the moment the you reveal, just reveal the, <laughs> the moment i just described i love that we got it we got a we got a vintage collection figure yeah. of that moment <laughs> like um so much about it i really like uh it was awesome to see yeah all right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So, Mac, oh, yeah. you have an interesting choice for us today. <laughs> a lightsaber I had seen before, but boy, when you told me, I had, did not remember. And I have okay. no idea so, what you're about to say. Yeah, so, uh, just to preface, so um, when it comes to Star Wars, most of my fandom is built out of the EU legacy stuff. I grew up during the dark times where licensed stuff was really the only stuff that was new Star Wars for yeah. years and years. So I grew up on most of that stuff. So when I think of my formal experience with Star Wars, like the movies are a part of it, but they are not as central to everything I care about Star Wars. I had one movie growing up was Return of the Jedi. I watched it so many times, I'm kind of sick of it. Like I still <laughs> love Return of the Jedi, but it ranks lower in my list than pretty much anybody else's because I've just, I've seen it too many times. For There's, years, it was the only Star Wars movie you had access to. It's the to. only one I had. So by a certain point, I'm like, oh, it's Jabba's Palace again. Like, oh, so, I see. So like when I saw, like when I found out there were two more, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there's a snow planet? And there's like, I, so for me, a lot of my stuff comes from the EU. So my lightsaber comes from the EU. I like uh, Quigon's Blade from episode one, uh, but it's green, and Such I don't, I don't like green lightsabers as much. And I would that's have one a blue. Of the reasons why I like his saber is literally just because it's. Green. I I just I love that. his hilt is very simple and it modern. Is. I like that. Too. Um, I I I think I love Anakin's the original one, and I think that's because I think that blue just looks so good. Now, originally, you mean uh, episode two, like before it? No, no, no. I mean, I mean the the one we just talked about being deified. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Like the the Ur lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha, you. I gotcha. um, but when Ross kind of quartered me and said you wanted to Jesse talk about like the fact of like what's your favorite lightsaber, I'm like, uh, what's my favorite lightsaber? And I the first thing I thought it was like. Well, I know what features I like of a lightsaber, and it's something you don't see in anything, but Dooku's is the only canon lightsaber that has this feature I like, which is these prongs that come out of the blade that kind of is like a hand guard, so you don't cut your hand off. And when I thought about that, I'm like, yeah, where did I fall in love with that? I'm like, well, I guess my favorite lightsaber of all time wow. is Exar Kun's lightsaber from Tales of the Jedi. So awesome. Exar Kun is a character that originally started in um, the Young Jedi Knight series as this like force ghost on Yavin 4. And eventually uh, Kevin J. Anderson wrote a comic book series I really, really loved. And the audiobook version of it specifically called Tales of the Jedi, which is 4,000 years before uh, Luke Skywalker. What did Jedi look like in their prime? And Exar Kun is a Jedi who's so obsessed with learning all the secrets of the Force, it takes him down the dark side. And his lightsaber is this blue lightsaber, but it has two blades. It was the first double-bladed lightsaber. But it's much more impractical than Darth Maul's because it's basically the same length as a normal lightsaber. It's You can only really get like a hand, maybe two, barely around it. It's only maybe about you know, a foot long, like, you know, a track baton long. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really, really hard. <laughs> hard to hold. <laughs> it would be hard to hold and swing that around without cutting yourself apart, which is why I think the artist decided to give it these 
big thin prongs that extend past the emitters that kind of cage it. But it also makes it have this neat sinister look to it. Um, we're passing around a picture of it right now. You can just look for XR Coon's lightsaber. That's E X A R space K U N. It actually resembles, like when you look at it, it looks like a spacecraft. The oh, I can way see that. It looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's it's kind of wicked with these big, you know, four pronged, like really toothy angular blades at either end, and the emitters kind of look like engines, right? They do look like engines. And at the center, it has one of my favorite lightsaber things, which is why probably if you if you force me to pick canon, I would pick the you know the episode four um, Anakin lightsaber. Is I love the fins that are on that the ribbing the the rubber grips that surround it equidistantly. That's in the middle of Exar Kun's lightsaber as well. Is those sort of like rubbery triangular grips yeah it looks a lot like the bottom of vader's lightsaber correct that, i mean that would be the the closest i mean it has all those influences of those other sabers but the color schemes reminds me reminds me of a uh, pencil grips in the early 2000s <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well your hand gets wet when you're fighting i mean you never know what kind of world you're gonna be on no you need honestly all lightsabers should have a grip if, I mean, they, yeah, right, yeah. and they do. Can you think of a lightsaber without one? It doesn't um, have some sort of specific metal or rubber. It does have, they all have ribbons, because, like, even the episode one, like, Obi-Wan and, and uh, Qui-Gon's sort of has, yeah. like, the, the body of it has these cuts in it yeah, exactly. to make it grippy. Exactly. Um, and, and, and that's coming more from Luke's. Luke's has that, except instead of it just being on one side, it's all the way around, uh-huh. and that part above the... And, uh, and then, I mean, when you look at Anakin's and you look at Darth Vader's, Darth Vader's is just evil Anakin's. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah. In fact, I think it's made out of the same camera flash that both of them are made out of the same metalwork. I mean, it was 1977. You only had so many options, right? You create right. one cool thing. Let's just black it up and that's <laughs> we'll get it murdered out. No, yeah. it's the murder guys. <laughs> um... But yeah, so I'm kind of weird, but XR Coon's blade, uh, the, the double-bladed stuff doesn't really interest me. It's just, it's mostly just, there, um, there was a great thing that just opened my mind about lightsabers and Jedi, which is, I think it's the cover of like, I think it's issue, it might be issue two of Tales of the Jedi from Dark Horse is, it's just all these hands holding up the lightsaber, like the Return of the Jedi poster where Luke's holding mm-hmm. his lightsaber. But it's like 30 of them. And like oh, one's a tentacle. Cool. And one has like a cable running down to it because it has a separate power pack. And it was just this idea of back 4,000 years ago, all these aliens were all part of the Jedi Order. And it's like so uh, cool. it's like how uh, DC does like the Green Lanterns of like everyone is, is part of this great order. And we all have our unique takes on it. So Exocoon's lightsaber is my favorite. I love it. I get it. I get it. You know, my only reference to XR Kuhn before you told me this was also from Kevin J. Anderson, but for something different, his uh, Jedi Academy trilogy of novels, which oh, yeah, yeah. is the trilogy of novels that got me into Star Wars novels. Oh, uh, really? One of the Jedi in that, who's at Luke's new Academy, Kip Duran, is possessed by XR Kuhn yeah. in that what? trilogy. Uh, and he... Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about it now, but steals a super weapon, does bad things, blah, blah, blah. But they never talk about his lightsaber in it. So I, at least as well, far as that, remember, point, that was a long time ago. At that point, yeah. he's he's a ghost. He's yeah, much he like, a, he's like I an evil Obi-Wan. Oh, they're, well, 
they were great when I was read them. It's been a long time. They're cool. I should go back and read them. It sounds um, cool. I just thought there were a lot of great characters. Anyway, that's not for here. That's a story for another time. That's a story for another uh, time. Beautiful, beautiful guys. Lightsabers are great. I yes. think Jesse, you summed Best it up thing. perfectly. Lightsabers make Star Wars Star Wars to me, which is funny because before Solo came out, I was a little worried about how I'd react to a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber in it. Yeah. Um, and well, but I you love did, Solo. No, huh, no, but the best part is you didn't have to worry about that. Uh, world. There was still a lightsaber, unexpected, yeah. but there was one. And one of the greats. Um, but I have come to realize that I can like Star. I can love Star Wars <laughs> without lightsabers. But boy, do lightsabers really make it the coolest thing ever. It's all yeah. about laser swords. All right. Anybody have anything else to add about their favorite lightsabers other than no. green is the best color? We've debated it. It is <laughs> solid here. We have all come to agreement. I wish I didn't like the fact that the evil guys, mine would be red. Red's my favorite color. Red is a great color. But the problem is it's e- it's team evil. Yeah. I would like I to know. see uh, a black black oh. saber. What about the what about the dark saber? Have, have you seen, seen the that? dark saber oh. from Clone Wars? No, you know what? I think I have. I think I have so, seen a, yeah. a poster of it. I wouldn't I guess you could describe it as black, but I it's, it's it's a it's a black body with this crackling white energy around it. Yeah, but because tr- it's it's a proto yeah. lightsaber. It's, We've seen black lightsabers in legends, uh, in like video games. You oh could get black lightsaber okay. crystals. Last thing I want to say about lightsabers that is making them great and our favorite lightsabers. Because <laughs> yeah. to be very honest with us, I know what our favorite lightsabers are, and it's not these three. It's when we go to like Galaxy's Edge or something, yeah. or we go to one of the saber companies and we make our lightsaber oh, yeah because when i think of what you just said i'm like one of the places i fell with lightsabers and wanted a a black core white lightsaber which shouldn't make sense was because i learned how to modify jedi knight 2 where you can make your own lightsaber <laughs> wow. for your avatar and i'm like oh i can make mine with like impossible colors and like that became my lightsaber and yep. my lightsaber is cooler than anyone else's to me it, i get that i just want to uh, say this if they create a video game where you can customize, like a Star oh. Wars video game, where you can actually go in depth and and the beginning, the tutorial of the game is creating your saber. Oh my I'm God. telling you right now, that will be yeah. my favorite video game. Oh. I'm not kidding. Who had the most saber customization? The Force Unleashed. The Force Unleashed, hundred percent. I mean, you um, had a bunch of colors. You had there's no way. Crystal. It depends on how old, you want. Old Republic. I was just saying. Oh, it depends yeah. on how you want to define it, because like, yeah, yeah, Old Republic has a lot of changes. The Knights of the Old Republic games, but that was more statistical rather than a lot of yeah. visual changes but that did add like force unleash is what the first time i was like oh there's multiple fair. i have only ever played star wars games but i mean released on nintendo 64 or playstation hey great i've never released a play <laughs> yeah, I think... so i have not gone to play knights of the old republic or well knights of the republic is really good because the other thing with knights of the republic it added two to canon it said that there were orange lightsabers and yellow lightsabers yellow mm. being the most important because even galaxy's edge now has yellow crystals yeah. like that's Apparently, a lot of those colors are selling out. They're really hard to get. Really? But hopefully, by the time we go, that won't be a problem. I, I hope they're rid of my crystal because yeah. my crystal has yeah. to choose me, not the other way around. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, going, that's how it I, works. I, I will get a green crystal built into my lightsaber for sure, but I'm going to pick up one of every color while I'm there. Oh. Gotta catch them all. Got, yeah. oh, but like I said. One thing you know about me, Mac. I like to complete my collection. Oh. It's pretty amazing that we live in an age where we will get our own custom lightsabers. That is so For cool. For an extremely, with air quotes, reasonable price. For what it is. Way more, less than I thought it was going to cost. Can you can you give me a number? I believe they're $200. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah they're right I thought the- it was... 
two thousand. No, no, it, it's 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 nice because it's. I mean, it doesn't especially because it's actually made. Jesse, well, well, I know the thing that. that's crazy is it's at that price, but like all the parts are like ceramics and metal. They're not. They're not cheap plastic. Like it's yeah. it, it's what you want it to be from every it's review. Exactly what you want it to be. Oh man, yes, that's amazing. I'm so. excited in like ten years. When I'll All right, so we'll come back to this topic <laughs> yeah. when we have our new favorite <laughs> lightsabers. <laughs> when we've made our we have our first video episode. All right, beautiful. Well, guys, thank you for talking about lightsabers today. This was a ton of fun. I'm glad to know that you all like some pretty rad lightsabers. I'm just sorry you don't like the best one. But hey, what can you do? Uh, great topic, guys. See you all next time. All right, so that's how we wrapped up. We talked about Boba Fett. We talked about midi-chlorians. We talked about our favorite lightsabers, and that draws another episode of Star Wars All In to a close. Oh, I'm shedding a single tear here. What an amazing <laughs> time it's been tonight having you here with us, Jesse. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and yeah. bringing us a couple of really great topics that we had a ton of fun discussing. Absolutely. Uh, I am so happy you picked Kylo Ren's lightsaber. That is such a good <laughs> choice. You like that. Uh, I'm going to go watch The Force Awakens after this. Oh, and also, uh, Jesse, I appreciate having someone with a little more Boba Fett love than Ross sometimes shows. I like Boba Fett. Fine, you don't, okay? you, but you don't love him. You haven't I accepted Boba him. into your heart. I like Boba. Boba's okay. I just want to say thank you, Mac and Ross, for inviting me here. Oh, yeah. uh, it was great to just see your guys' chemistry <laughs> and also just being involved in it. And I hope I can come back and another time we would we would love to have you back it's great talking uh, star wars we can guys. still skype you in i was gonna say oh yes back uh, wait 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 wait, wait 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 we we can hook up the hollow net the hollow oh, net yes, we'll, we'll get yes, in yes, here yes, 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 yes. yeah yeah let's do it yeah because we huh, there's other solutions than skype but we we could totally bring you in and yeah. we'd love to have you again because um this has been great it's yeah, been absolutely, absolutely great. Absolutely. I don't yeah. So we wish you well in all your future adventures in the galaxy out there. Uh hopefully we'll have you back another time. Um, but this has been just another fun episode of Star Wars All In. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed it as much as we had uh, making it here. Um, so until we meet again. May the force be with you, Jesse. May the force be with you all. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Grieco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.